0: you should always check planning center before you jump up, (laughs) right? Awkward. Um, So we're starting this new series, Salt and Light, and I am the series this morning. It was a two-part series and now it's down to one, so it's exciting. I'm really looking forward to the siege um, that I've prepared for you this morning. But I kind of feel like I almost don't need to preach after what Christy brought this morning. I actually feel a bit shaken up and a bit challenged by what you brought this morning. Really... Anybody else relate to that? Really on point, really challenging. So, you've actually knocked me off kilter a bit this morning. I feel a bit, oh, not sure where to go. But anyway, we're starting this new series, and today we're exploring um, really about how we are called to be salt and light to the world. You know, Easter's coming up this week, next week, um, as we're saying. You know, and it's a great great time to invite people to connect with the gospel. You know, generally in Australian culture, Easter and Christmas, there's still this degree of openness where Australians will identify and be open to you talking about God and about Jesus at those times and even open to attending a church more so than they will be at any other time. And I, I love the statement that came out in the Oasis newsletter a couple of weeks ago. I don't know who put this statement in, but it was, be a bringer. I really like that. I read that. I was like, that's really cool bringer. This Easter, let's be a bringer. I'm guessing that was you. Of course it was. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And uh, who's on the the Facebook Coburn page? You know the Coburn chat page? (laughs) Does anybody like join that just for the entertainment factor of what goes (laughs) on in that? If you're not on there, you might want to. It's quite interesting. It's full of colourful characters that have very expressive uh, opinions on things it is you know when you pull up your feet, it's quite entertaining but one thing that struck my attention was the other week was this post about I don't know if you've noticed this new trend with easter eggs not being called easter eggs and so someone posted how outrageous it was that they went to buy easter eggs but they weren't in fact easter eggs they would you know they're just selling chocolate so these companies have decided to take easter out of the word in easter eggs which I think's funny because they're Easter eggs. (laughs) Anyway, so this is, this is a, uh, people within the community of Coburn and someone's posted this and then there's all these comments and (laughs) they, they turn the comments off. So you know it's pretty heated when they turn the comments off, you know, they're like, no more comments, that's enough. What was really interesting was some of the comments that were said, you know, were around how Australia politically correctness has gone crazy and they're Easter eggs, why can't you call them Easter eggs, you know? And that was really interesting because not about the conversation as such but it does highlight the fact that there is this association beyond chocolate at Easter this association that the, there's something bigger about Easter and we're even within our very secular society there's an the openness to hey that's actually associated with Jesus that was really interesting and it just kind of emphasizes the the fact that there is that degree of openness around and it was pretty entertaining Let's, let's hit straight into our passage this morning. So it's going to come up on the screen and I'm reading it from the NLT because it's my favourite version. But we're going to flick to Matthew five thirteen to 16. And this is Jesus talking about being salt and light. So it says, You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavour? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way let your good deeds shine out all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly father so as followers of Jesus our mandate that Jesus gave us in Matthew 28:19 is to go and make disciples it's really to share the gospel to spread the message of the gift that we've received through him. And if we look at this analogy in this particular passage that Jesus is teaching about, you could bring it down to this simple essence that we are called to make perp- we are called to make people thirsty for God and then point them to God. So the essence of this scripture that we just read is to make people thirsty for God and then point them to God. When I was thinking about this morning, I I was thinking, I know that there's going to be people in this room who this is exciting for. They just naturally find it easy to share their faith. They naturally find it easy to point people towards Jesus. It's just something that flows out of them. I also know that there's going to be people in this room this morning who the idea of this is actually terrifying. It makes you super uncomfortable. And, you know, whether that's out of... Uh, bad past experiences, or just not knowing what to do. But there are people in this room who the thought of being salt and light can be terrifying. And then there's just people here this morning who it's not terrifying, it's not exciting. You just you give it a shot, but you're just not sure what to do. I think each and every one of us falls into one of those three categories. and I know for me, as I was preparing over the last few weeks for this message, was poking me certain areas and just pushing. Certain attitudes and certain mindsets I had towards this, and it was making me uncomfortable. Don't you hate when God just, you know, just presses on that little thing, and goes, ooh, you notice that. So my prayer for you this morning is that God would poke you during this service and make you a little uncomfortable. Highlight some of the attitudes and some of the hang-ups that maybe you've got, like I've got, and that together through this we can work through that and be salt and light to the world. Sound good? All right. So before I give you some practical tools on how to be salt and light, I want to unpack a common roadblock that we face when we're talking to people about God. You know, one of the biggest roadblocks that people have in coming to know Jesus is what they think about him based on their experiences okay, so their lack of understanding of who God is, because I really believe that if everybody knew exactly who God was, everybody would follow God, yeah? yeah? So you you are here today because you know God, know his goodness, and you know his grace, and therefore you've chosen to follow him. There's people out there that have a false impression of who God is, and they think he's one thing when he's another thing, and it causes a roadblock for them to know who God is. You know, I find it really sad that so many people have such a negative view of who God is based on their experiences they've encountered with Christians, with the church in general. The other day I was at work and uh, this one of my work colleagues was telling me a story. I don't even know how it happened. Um, I'm sort of one of those people that people like to tell things to, which I kind of like. It's cool. I uh, don't generally repeat it, and this is going to have no names or anything, but they were telling me this story about um, some distant family members of theirs, well, you know, sort of extended, extended family, and how these people had caused quite a rift and a division within their family. And their statement about these people were, they were born-again Christians. What that meant to them, I don't know. If they are born-again Christians, and I don't know, and it's really relevant but this person referred to them as born again christian so my interest was sparked i was i was like what what's their view on this and and what do they think about this in the back of my mind I, I knew i was speaking about this today so i thought oh this is really interesting this is exactly what i want to talk about so they they shared this story with me about how they had these extended family members and they had there was a death in the family and they were pushing their views on how things should be done and they were criticising other people's beliefs and this sort of thing. So this person's impression of them was really negative. Even to the point where this person that I work with said, I had to block them on social media because I just could not handle the barrage of hatred that came through their posts towards people who chose different lifestyles or that had differing views to them. She said, I just could not handle seeing it all the time. I had to block it. What stood out to me was, in their minds, whether they are or not, they were a Christian. Therefore, they were a reflection of God to her. Isn't that interesting? Caused a negative reflection of who God is. Another example of that is when we held the Christmas pop-up shop last year, we had families came in, and we would wrap their presents for them and give them their presents and their hampers and we would offer them, pray for them. So we just hung out for a little while, we staggered it so we'd have some time to spend with them we just said, you know, is there anything you'd love us to pray for you for? And most people were like, yeah, can you pray for me for this? And in this one particular instance, this lady seemed really uncomfortable and I could tell she was uncomfortable and I said, hey, you know, we don't need to pray for you, that's makes you uncomfortable, that's her eye. And she started to share with me her story as, as to why she felt uncomfortable about being prayed for. You know, it came back to a past experience that she'd had when she was a little kid and experienced a negative thing from the church. And so in her mind, she had this damaged connection with God based on a past experience with the church. Another example, which I'm sure many of you have had, I've had people tell me stories about how they went to a church-based school and they they didn't have a good time, they felt that the people there who represented God just left a bitter taste in their mouth. They weren't nice people, they didn't just didn't leave a good impression. And you know what's what's the thing about all these stories is that whether these people are Christian or not doesn't matter. It's the fact that the idea that these people or these churches represent God has left such a bitter taste in people's mouth distorts their understanding of who God is and therefore creates a block in them understanding who he truly is. The good news is that each and every one of us can be a positive reflection of God have the opportunity to do the opposite of that and encourage people Goodness and the grace of God. We have the opportunity, but salt and light, to reflect God's goodness. Isn't that good? We can't change the past, but we certainly can be responsible for the impression that we give to people that reflects God. Good? You with me? All right, so do you want to get into some practical applications of how you can be salt and light to the world? Totally stolen all of this. No, not all of it, some of it, from John Maxwell. So, John Maxwell, and there's a great teaching on YouTube from Hillsong Conference last year that I'd encourage you to read. So, any of you guys who, you know, like that extracurricular work, hit up YouTube and do some more research. And can I just quickly digress for a minute? You know, on Sundays, we can only give you a snapshot of something. It's really all of our responsibility to go and learn a bit further. You know, you can't get fully nourished from a 20-minute message. You know, you've got to go and learn some more and do some more research. And check up that I'm saying the right thing, huh? <laughs> check me out. All right. So, John Maxwell has this rule of five that he uses in talking about how to share your faith. So, five things easy to remember. And it's all about having a goal, being intentional and doing these five things every day, expecting results. So, he explains this rule of five by using an analogy of if you had a tree in your backyard... And you needed to cut it down, go out, grab an axe and swing at that tree five times, put the axe down, go back the next day, cut the axe, swing it five times, put it down, next day, go out, grab the axe, swing it five times and repeat that process. What will eventually happen to that tree? It'll fall down it will fall down eventually. So his theory revolves around the fact you don't need to swing that axe all day, every day. You just need to pick up that axe and swing it five times a day. Sound easy? All right, so number one is connect and care with lost people. Every day, connect and care with people who don't know Jesus. Be authentic in your caring for people. You know, we don't live in the age where people generally walk into churches, really doesn't happen that much anymore. you want to reach people that don't know Jesus, you've got to go out there and find them. Before you can lead anyone, you've got to find them, yeah? You've got to go out there. John Maxwell talks about this scripture, Matthew 9, 35 to 38, I'm going to use the NIV. And he's talking about Jesus as an example of caring and connecting for the lost. It says, Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, claiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So how did Jesus connect with people? Jesus went for one. He went out. Connected with people, he found people, he physically connected with people. So you've got to ask yourself the question, am I going? Am I physically connecting with people? Second thing Jesus did was Jesus saw. So he visually connected with people. He's seeing where people are at. Third thing is he felt. He had emotional response. He connected emotionally with people. You can ask yourself, am I feeling? And the fourth thing that Jesus did was Jesus prayed, connected spiritually with people. You can ask yourself, am I praying? That's four easy things that Jesus did that we can do also. I want to encourage you that you need to love people well and without judgment. You know, God accepted us even at our worst. In Romans 5 even at our worst, God accepted us in all our sinfulness. So sometimes I wonder, if God treated people the way we treated people, it would be sad, wouldn't it? just wouldn't be great. Nobody would be allowed to come into relationship with him if he treated people the way we do sometimes. If you really think about that, nobody has it together all the time. And Actually, Ewan t- touched on this earlier. You know, nobody has it together all the time. I hate to break it to you, but even Pastor Ewan and Pastor Chris, they don't have it together all the time. Everybody in this room doesn't have it together all the time. People that you admire don't have it together all the time. I certainly don't have it together all the time, and Brad will tell you that's for sure, you know. But I think we have this misconception that when people come to Christ, they should be fully healed in every aspect of their life. Suddenly, instantaneously, everything that was negative and sinful drops off their life, but it's just not the case, is it? The Word of God says that when we see Him, we will be like Him we see him face to face, that is when we will attain that perfection. Till then, we're on a journey of shedding these things, we're a journey of becoming more like him. But we're not just there. We all have stuff. So why do we expect other people to have it together all the time? If you're really going to love and care for people that don't know Christ, you really got to be less judgmental. Now, I'm not saying you guys are. I'm just speaking generally. You do. You need to be less judgmental. You know, people don't live in the world to the standards that we live to. You know why? Because they don't know God. They don't know those standards. So we can't expect them to be living to those standards, certainly before they know Christ. So we, you know, our job is not to fix people, even when they come to Christ. Our job is not to fix people. Our job is to point them to the one who can fix them. Job is to point them to Jesus. It was to point them to God, who will love them unconditionally, will take them on a journey of healing and restoration until that day that they see Him and they are made like Him. So let's connect and care with people without judging them, but let's love them. Does that sound good? Yeah. All right. So number two is pray for opportunity to connect with lost people. Seems simple, hey when I read that I was like, yeah, you know. Yeah, I do that every day. We're talking about being really intentional, having a formulated prayer that you say each day being intentional. You know, if you don't shoot, if you don't aim for something, you'll never hit it, right? If you're not intentional, you'll never get there. So an example of a prayer to have, you know, write one down. Have it where you're going to see it. Have it pop up on your Facebook. Here's an example. God, today, give me eyes and ears to see and to hear your promptings to connect with those who don't know you. It's easy, isn't it? Make it a daily habit to pray and be aware of the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You you don't have to swing that axe all day. Just pick that axe up every day. You know, you pray that prayer every day, you watch the opportunities that God opens up for you. Number three, drop God thoughts into people. Intentionally... Positive God thoughts into people. But do it with wisdom. Don't be weird. <laughs> Too many weird Christians, isn't there? I could, I could go on, but I think I might get myself in trouble. So I just want to encourage you, don't be weird. You're not appealing. Just don't be weird. But, you know, you can drop ideas into conversation, into people's minds, wisdom that are going to make, you know, the salty words that are going to make them hungry for God. They're going to spark things in them. They're going to make them want to seek out answers. So salty things that are going to make them thirsty for God without being weird. (laughs) All right. fourth thing is add value to people. Before you share your faith with someone, invest into them. Value them and gain their respects. You know, we live in a society where strings are attached. You know, some relationships really are... You know, what's in this for me? I want to be your friend because there's something in it for me. Be the person that doesn't have strings attached. Be the person that just wants to love on someone, just wants to impart into them, just wants to value them. You know, don't buy into that cultural norm of pulling people down, you know, ripping their feet from under them. You know, be the person that builds someone up. Countercultural with that. You know, one of my favourite things to do hope you've noticed this about me maybe you haven't but one of my favorite things to do is to encourage people I love encouraging people <laughs> it's one of my favorite things to do what I find really interesting about it maybe it's because I like words of affirmations just so you know like, <laughs> <laughs> like words of affirmation I tell Brad all the time what's my love language? <laughs> Anyway, um <laughs> so easily sidetracked one of my favorite things to do is encourage people and I'm fortunate enough that in my job you know it's easy for me to do that naturally and I, I love the reaction on people's faces even predominantly outside the church you know I think inside the church we, we we're pretty good at this aren't we we like to encourage one another outside people aren't used to being encouraged people aren't used to being acknowledged for the things they do and the the things that come out of them you know who they are as a person it's a be like uh oh thank you, nobody's ever said that to me. You know, it's a really great thing to do. It's adding value to people's lives. In the workplace, be that person that does things with integrity, the person that goes above and beyond. But here's some question to ask yourself. How does my actions and my words reflect God to those around me? It's a tough question, hey? If you're really honest with yourself, think about that. How do my words, nobody's perfect, hey? We all have our days, you know? Sometimes we do get up on the wrong side of the bed. You think about it generally. How do my words and my actions reflect my God to those around me? Yeah. Would people recognise that you add value to their life? Are you a giver or are you a taker? Yeah. Tough questions, hey? But we're talking about being intentional about reaching people for Christ. Right Number five, strategically work my lost people list. Have a list of people that you are praying for. We're talking about these things every day. Have a list of people that you're praying for. It could be a short list, it could be a long list. Some of these people could be on the list for 10 years. doesn't matter. Have a list of people that you are praying for who are not yet in relationship with God. Keep those relationships a priority. Keep praying for them. And keep connecting with them and keep loving these people and adding value to their lives. Five practical things that you can do each day that are going to help you share your faith. So the first one is care and connect. No, care, connect. Blah, blah, blah. connect and care for lost people. One is pray for opportunities to connect with lost people. Drop God thoughts into people. Add value to people strategically work your lost people lists if you can implement these five things into your daily life you are going to help people find life in Jesus yeah Yeah. you with me I want to pray for you because there's one other element that we really need and that is the empowering of the Holy Spirit we can do things in our own strength but we need the empowering of the Holy Spirit yeah so I want to pray for you this morning why don't you stand with me you join me close your eyes and just before we pray this prayer i want to give anybody here this morning who doesn't know jesus who's never said yes to jesus but wants that opportunity to personally connect with him i give you that opportunity to do that this morning so while everybody's eyes are